at, at any given point in time, somewhere in the world, there are at least two groups of black women talking about Solange's <laughs> wedding photos. Guaranteed. Bible. <laughs> For more than one or two black women gather. It's just black like a consensus. Yeah. Your spirit descends upon the group. <laughs> encountered a lot of African last names so, yes. so I feel like because like those are all sound like legit at, like it's better than other people that are just like making it up well because I grew up around a lot of Nigerians there yeah and like, so <laughs> and when I I'm not just saying like we saw him at the park and we said hi I mean she will probably call me after this episode <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> LOL. But this is Kemi. Kemi, hey. would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kemi. <laughs> do we do we do like an icebreaker? Like what what do you what stats you want? No, you know who are you? Who am I? Place. This is so deep. Who am I? Foot size. I don't know. Foot size. <laughs> Nine and a half. Don't judge me. I have huge feet. <laughs> Girl, I wear an eleven wide on a good day. Yo. It was funny because when I studied abroad, um, I remember shopping for shoes and I asked like I got like the biggest size they had in the store, which was still like a little bit tight. And I was asked for slightly bigger. And this woman just looked at me like I was a giant. She's like, no, we do not stock for you. You do not stock. <laughs> it like, hurts. I was like, I'll just take these things. Like, I'll wear, I'll wear them in. It's good. I'll break them in. It's fine. I'll just take me in my massive feet. <laughs> like, it's like, go. It's like, I'll take it and go. Yeah, this is what I dreamed of talking about during my first podcast interview. My child. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but no, I am Kemi Adegaroye, um, and I am many things, <laughs> um, depending on like who I'm talking to. <laughs> I'm a chameleon. Um, no, I am a performer. Uh, I think like multi-hyphenate performer is the best way to put it. Cause like, I hate, not hate, but it's like, I feel like it's always obnoxious to people like, I'm a singer, actor, dancer, producer, writer. Like, like, so like, okay. <laughs> Like, what don't you do? I know. Um, but that's me. <laughs> I fly planes. I don't fly planes. I don't fly planes. my license yes. next week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> TBD. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like um, performing artist is the best way because I'm not a visual performer. Mm-hmm. But I like, I, I, many times I wish I was. Like, I have a deep appreciation for photography and like other visual arts, but I just don't have the patience. That's fair. Like, I really don't. Like, I feel like there's a, a more of a patience that goes into, like, creating something visual versus, like, yeah. the activity of, like, performing. Right. Um, so, yeah. And then I'm also barred attorney. <laughs> no, no, no. Say that one more time because people need to understand the intelligentsia. Stop it! <laughs> I am a licensed attorney. I don't know why I need to say license. I'm a practicing <laughs> attorney. I feel like I need to reassure people I have my license. I'm legally allowed to practice law. Um, but I'm an attorney, relatively new, I feel like, within the last two years. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then I'm an entrepreneur. I feel like, honestly, the best way to I describe myself to people is that I have three career paths. Because <laughs> people will be like, oh, you sing, that's a cute little hobby. And I'm like, no, it's <laughs> not, no, no, it's not what it is. I'm not your hustling. I have a production company. Like, <laughs> it's 
Nah, just like a cute little thing I do on the weekend. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) was actually on loan from my business partner for um, Indico, which is one of the companies that I run. Um, One of them. I'm sorry, you need to catch catch it real quick. I'm dead. She said one. One one of two. One of two. I don't want people thinking I'm like Bill Gates or somebody with like fifty like low key like corporations taking out like da da. Two, listen, L- two listen, LLCs. Like, listen, I got a podcast. So look, and you got merch. You got merch. That's for me. That's the burger. Like you, you legit. Like we're trying to get merch. Like that's where we're at. It's not that hard. I need to get better merch. Anyway, continue. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah. So entrepreneur, performer, and uh, attorney. Those are my three career paths currently. Yeah, so like I'll run into someone I haven't seen in a while from school or something. They're like, well, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I was like, I think the technical term would be doing the most. <laughs> I think that's what the technical term would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's incredible. So the way uh, Kemi and I met, yes. we met at... Um, <laughs> I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast yeah, before. You better have. Um, <laughs> um, but this other it. podcast that I love, that we both love, oh, called Jesus and Jalof. Um, and if you haven't listened to it, you really need to. It's by Yvonne Orji and Lavi Ajayi. Um, Lavi Ajayi is a writer and speaker. And the New York Times bestseller. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Excuse you. They can tell that she like, low-key like, self-published in a basement and sold copies on the corner. She's the right <laughs> little, I'm sorry. New York Times bestselling <laughs> author. I'm standing like I'm her agent. Like, how dare you violate her contract and not use the full side off. around the corner. Like, insane. legit. Like, what's her name? Daenerys's, like, uh, side... Um, Council who like gives her full title everywhere oh, she goes. Black, black yeah, yeah, yeah. Masandai, Masandai, or whatever. It's just like breaker of chains, one of the dragons. Like that's what she needs. I'm sorry, pitch that to Lovey. Um, but wear of red shoes. And uh, Yvonne Orji, many of you may My watch the show idol. Insecure. She plays Molly. Um, My literal idol. Like if no, she literally. was gonna play, if anyone was gonna play me in the movie, hands down. Hands down. Not even a not even a contest. It's like we do nothing if we get. Honestly, we get no. You think no, it's true? I, I, I very her. much enjoyed the presence. Um, <laughs> very much so. Um, and they are the hosts of that of that podcast. They're really good friends, and it's basically. I mean, they talk about a lot about Nigerian culture, but I also think they talk a lot about blackness. In and general, life, adulting, life, adulting, being famous, yeah, just being famous. <laughs> no, I mean, truly, that yeah. sounds uppity, but it's like, no, but like, like the because like, co- people are like, I want to be famous, I want to have this, and they're like, these are the real costs and benefits no. that come with it. Like, this is the real day to day. This is the like having a panic attack in an airport because I've been traveling incessantly for opportunities I prayed for, but I'm still like exhausted. Yeah. I mean, like, I the thing is, like, I didn't even know about Lovey until the podcast. Yeah. Like, I found out that. Yvonne, she posted that she was going to start this podcast, yeah. and I was like, oh, I have Subscribe. to. Subscribe. Yeah, I was like, I Automatic. Well, the thing was, because I didn't even, um, I didn't even become a fan of Yvonne's from Insecure. Really? No, she did, uh, she did a, a web series. First Gen. She's, she's... Well, from, she did First Gen, but I didn't even find her from that. Really? She did um, this web series with PC4M. Okay. Passion for Christ movement. Yeah. Um, and they did like a like a little talk show, like a round table. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the videos of and, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember she was the host, and so I was like, oh, she's 
super funny, find out she's a comedian. I was like, but she also looks familiar. What is she from? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, it's from Insecure. And I hadn't started watching Insecure. Got it, got it. Yeah, and so that's how... And I started watching a couple of her stand-up stuff on YouTube. Yeah. And I was, she was hysterical. Oh, for sure. Read all her stuff, and then I started watching mm, it too. Like, gotta, gotta, so gotta. I probably came in backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good. Start at the like, beginning of yeah. her like resume and work your way down. <laughs> Sure, she appreciated it. Yeah, um, supporting the old you. Um, there you go. And the new you and all future, of you. All of you. Ever, all uh, of me. I'm inviting you to leave your own. Lol. I'm just taking up stock for myself. Please, um, but yeah, and we and we met at that show because uh, you went up and you asked a question, and they I, casually dropped you were a lawyer. No, so what? What? <laughs> what has happened was. What had happened was I, so I bought a VIP ticket to meet them backstage because why not? Girl, I was so close. Because why not? Girl, I played none of the games. I like was like, I, my like family jokes that like, I'm mad at networking. Like that's like, cause I play none of the games when it comes to meeting people. Like, cause like, you, look, I've gotten a lot of great things from like, just networking. I know I should have next time. Next time. Continue. Anyway, but like the tickets were like, cause there are times I'm like, I'll pass on the VIP experience. Yeah. And, like the tickets are ridiculously expensive, but yeah. it's like, I can afford this. I'm going to go. Yeah. It wasn't crazy. Like, I was yeah. just like, I would love to meet them. And it was literally, the show was literally like four days before I released my cover, the Nigerian national anthem that I've been working on for like a year. And so I was like, I can't not mention this to them. Like, yeah. like what what kind of person would I be? <laughs> what kind of like ridiculous entrepreneur would I call myself if I didn't? Be a Wakanda forever switch. Mbaku, Mbaku, Mbaku's boo. <laughs> I wish everyone could see the visual. In this it's a phenomenal shirt. It was part of like the represent whatever like campaign he did, and I was just like, I just really love this shirt. <laughs> Listen, it's Wakanda on. forever. I'm, I'm still trying it. to get citizenship. My, <laughs> my application's pending. Girl, same. I'm trying to end that Olympics Like, Wakanda forever. <laughs> um, but anyway, so point being, I went backstage to meet them, and I mentioned, like, I, I framed it in the sense of, like, because I'm donating the proceeds to charity to benefit people in Nigeria, but, mm-hmm. like, you always have to be careful which charity you pick. Like, is it, like... If it's one of those like global ones, like you know, save the children yeah, or whatever, yeah. like it's going to Nigeria, it's going to end up in Malaysia, like yeah. you know, like and also like how much of it. So I thought, like, let me ask them; they'll probably know. So I asked them, and then Yvonne was like, "So wait, you saying?" And I was like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, kind <laughs> of." And she's like, "Oh, you sing? You're singing the anthem?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Okay, maybe we'll have you sing it for the show." And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I had hoped, I had prayed, but like, <laughs> and I literally, she's like, yeah, just make sure we can see you. And so I literally, like, I had met a friend in the line backstage yeah. who she's been out, like, we're like really good friends now. Um, and uh, she saved the seats like as close as we could possibly be, like, and I had on like this Godfidence sweatshirt that was really like noticeable, like by yeah. this like company in, in London. So I was like, at least like hopefully they'll remember. Um, and then I literally went down to the bathroom, like downstairs, uh, downstairs, and like warmed up. I was like, "Y'all ain't gonna catch me." <laughs> so, like, Y'all gonna have me singing in front of a Von Orsi and Love You Dying, and like my voice cracked. Lies, lies. <laughs> literally like, in the bathroom, like full on warming up, building. Oh my gosh! I was um, like, I don't know how much they're gonna get me to sing, but if they have me sing this whole thing, and I'm like, and they recorded it too. They did, and it was so funny. And so then I like got up, I asked the questions because like, they hadn't asked me to sing yet. And I was yeah. like, my last chance. So, and that's when they asked me to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. 
And then they clowned me on uh, my question, <laughs> which I was like, I feel blessed. Savannah, where did she clown me in front of 800 people? I feel so blessed. <laughs> but she brought up, like, the point she brought up was, because you were asking about, you know, how do I build up spirits? Because you, so, for, well, let's backtrack. Let's yes. talk about Indico. 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 So like Indico. Indico is. Indico is an arts company, an arts organization that provides tips, tools, and resources to independent artists in multiple disciplines around the world. And so the way we are currently built is that we are um, foremost a website where we have a blog and articles and interviews that we post. Articles are written, are, um, written by myself and the interviews also mostly conducted by myself, though my business partners conducted one or two. And they're just with artists around the world in different phases of their career. Um, in completely different industries. We've had like literal Broadway stars, you know, like the original, the woman who originated the role of Jasmine and then had on Broadway. Um, two of the uh, cast members from Mean Girls, a friend of ours from high school who is now a menswear fashion designer in Bhutan, <laughs> and, and Emmy Award winning filmmaker who uh, is, was part of the original producing crew of the And series, which is run by this production company called The Skin Deep, and I love their work. Um, and so, yeah, we do that. We also host events. We hosted a networking event, our very first one last year, with one of our arts partners uh, in the region. And uh, we actually are literally just launched uh, this month uh, a finance series called um, Hashtag Money Matters March, where we're going to be posting about three to four different articles uh, just about financial matters. Because one of the reasons I started it was to provide not just a community for people, but also like really practical and inspirational, but also really practical advice, just because, like, as an artist, so many people tell you, like, follow thy heart and thy dreams will come true, and, like, a lot of stuff that's, like, I'm not... I'm sorry, ne- who told you that? That's not what my parents <laughs> said, sure. I mean, TBD, that was, like, after get your homework done, but, like... Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you'll run into people where you're, like, what advice would you give me to, like, go forward in life, yeah. and they'll be, like, keep going, and it's just, like, I don't know how actionable that is, like... It's, like, it's like a tangible... Right, like, give me, like, real legit steps. And um, we wanted to provide a place that gives really accurate advice. And honestly, the inspiration for it came from me being an artist myself and my business partner, who is a friend, um, like one of my like very good friends from high school. And um, she, I mean, she does uh, tech and is in a computer science web designer, but she also like does Latin dance like beautifully, like has been doing it for the last decade and like literally like is this gorgeous like competes in competitions and does stuff so she's like fully an artist too and so both of us understand the different struggles that comes from trying to like pursue your art in whatever capacity i mean like she's not professionally dancing but it's like a very serious hobby of hers versus someone like me or just like i really like am still out here releasing music and like working on my own projects independently and you know trying to do my best and, and have build a career around it and there are just so many things people don't tell you you know, like things that like you either have to go to school for or, you know, just have to learn as you go. But that process can just take such a long time and it can take so much out of you. And I just think it's so useful to be able to share knowledge with people and and, and grow and develop from other people's experiences and and feel linked into community where you can ask those questions and feel supported. So you know, that's really what it was. And so with this Money Matters March series that we're doing this month, I've talked to so many people, just like people are so sensitive about finances and they should be. It's a very sensitive topic. It's a very personal topic. But, you know, there's certain things that you really 
like want to know that have to do with finances, like pricing yourself. Like if you're offering a service to someone, like how do I price myself without pricing myself out of the market? Like I want to value my time and my energy, but if no one's buying my goods, like, you know, like, like what, what good is it? Or how to negotiate, how to budget, how to find a way to earn like different, like different revenue streams to earn money when like certain things aren't panning out the way or like, it's just a lot of different things that are really sensitive, but also really fundamental to being a working, surviving artist. And so we want to try and start tackling those topics that people don't either talk enough about or they don't talk widely enough about. And part of the reason why we're multidisciplinary is because there are very few artists that can just exist in their own discipline. Like, even if as I'm just a singer, just a musician, I'll work with a videographer, I'll work with a photographer, I'll work with, you know, a web designer. Like, you just, you work with so many different types of people that it helps to kind of know their language, know their lingo. Like, I understand theater, I understand music, but I don't know what, like, the specific terms or industry expectations are for dance or for modeling or makeup design or various other things. And so you know, just trying to create like a little hub for multiple people to go to. No, I I completely agree because I think about what I'm doing and, um, and other artists I know, I think the hardest thing is you can have great content and you can work really hard, but if there's not other people seeing your content. Yeah. And not just other people, the right people. Yeah. And I think that can be the struggle in continuing forward in the dreams that you have for sure so yeah I, I i mean how how do you talk to artists like that it's like well how do i get myself in front of the right people because you know you feel helpless in yeah. a way like because it's like you are talented you know yeah. or you have this gift for doing this thing and like people around you see it but they're not the people that can take you to the next level yeah i mean it's interesting because I in particular like I struggle with that a lot like I, t- I talk to people about it and like you know being an interview by Indico people have quoted me saying like when you create something and you pour your like heart and soul into it and then you don't really get a response it really feels like you're yelling into a void yeah like it can it can in a way that like people who don't create like that won't really get like your friends will be like oh that's cute but, like I didn't really watch it or I didn't really like it yeah. and it's like they don't think it matters but it's just like I literally like sat up in my bed and I imagined this thing and I got to bring it to life and it's this huge feeling yeah. for me and like no one cares <laughs> which is fine there's so much content out there that like I understand if you're not like blown back by everything <laughs> I do because there are like so many other things that other yeah, people yeah. are doing but like a lot of it is a not assuming that people aren't seeing it because there have been so many times in my life where i really was like no one cares like no one like, like no like i could disappear and no one would like like no one would care like it, you know like no one's listening no one's paying attention i pour my heart into this thing and like, people couldn't give a funny and then someone comes to me like days later months later even years later and they're like i saw this thing and it did this or it did that like i had a good friend of mine she literally said um when she had watched my blog being launched that it inspired her to finally like put into work to like launch her own. And I didn't know that until like over a year after we had like launched ours. Yeah. Um, there was another time where I remember in college, I, I you know, cold sent out um, resumes and headshots to all these theaters, you know, in the area and expecting nothing, like literally like, cold yeah. emails, cold, you know, mailings. And two years later, or yeah I think like two years later I get this call from somebody I was actually in New York getting ready to go some other interviews I get this call from someone and she um, 
worked at Arena Stage, which, like, for anyone who knows the D.C. area, is, like, one of the most massive theaters in the area. Like, they do shows that get sent to Broadway afterwards. Like, it's not, like, a tiny mm-hmm. theater. And she said, like, hey, I was just cleaning out this desk for my predecessor, like, one of the predecessor staff members, and I found your headshot and resume at the very bottom of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> just like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for her employee. But, like, she's like, I found it at the very bottom, like, and we read your stuff, and we were interested. Can you come in for an audition? And I, like, lost. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, when it's rude, they were like, I know, it's just like at the bottom. It was like, very bottom of the <laughs> lowest drawer. But, like, cool. But still, just the idea that, like, I thought no one had cared or no one had heard it. Meanwhile, like, you know. So you, so you do have to have faith in a certain way, which, like, it's such an esoteric piece of advice to give because yeah. it's just, like, once again, it's not actionable. But you really don't know what opportunity is going to assist you when. And then that goes to the more practical advice, which is, like, keep creating and yes. create intelligently. Like, and also create for yourself. Like, that's also a huge part of it. Like, you really can't just create for other people because you'll just be disappointed. Like, unless you're, like, Lady Gaga or, like, Rihanna or Justin Timberlake or some huge performer, like, or Beyonce, like... Uh, Beyonce, Beyonce is creative for herself. I mean, she is, but like she also could create for people and know that there will be an immediate response. Yeah. And like most artists, like are not going to get as loud a response. We pray for it and hope for it, but like realistically, like you're not going to yeah. suddenly get 50 million views. But if you're creating for yourself and if you're inspired for yourself, first of all, it makes your art better, and second of all, like you get your own fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that's what has made a difference for me, like, not just as an entrepreneur and as the CEO of Indico and all that other stuff, but even just as an artist myself, like when I like have created for myself and worked on things that I'm so passionate about and I can't like, you know, go to sleep because I'm thinking about them and all those other things, like, yeah, maybe like I only got a couple like ten, tens of views on this video or whatever. Um, or like no one's really bought the single or whatever, but like I'm so proud of how this became out, or like I'm so great, you know, happy that it turned out. And also because you never know what could launch yourself, you know. Like for me, I have been doing this whole other thing. Like I was in law school and I'm a lawyer and I have this whole other life and I'm doing all these other things that are very time consuming. And so I could easily be like, I'll wait till a big break or whatever and like do other stuff. But in law school, I was like, let me have a catalog. Let me have stuff people can go back to and say, like, oh, she's been creating this whole time. Like, she didn't just wait till, like, 10 years later and that's when she produced her next thing. Like, let me work on my own art, produce my own thing, so that when people look back at my resume and my website and my catalog and my uh, my repertoire, they're like, oh, she's done all these other things. She's worked on her art. She's built herself. She's tried other things. Like, you know, she knows what she's talking about. And that makes a difference. So create for yourself. Create in intelligently like intentionally like do things that like you know and take and take opportunities like you really have no idea what kind of opportunity like even something like the Jesus and Jalof show I sang two lines from the the anthem and like it's not like it went you know viral on the Mm -hmm. internet or whatever but I got a podcast interview from it like you know like I've never been interviewed for a podcast before and like I've met all these other people and like who's to say that like you know I mean, prayers up, but who's to say that in, like, five years or something, like, I run into Yvonne in L.A., and she's like, oh, yeah, you're singing the anthem. Do you still sing? And, like, I have a whole catalog to show her to say that I still sing. Yeah, like, legit. I mean, look, from your lips to God's ears. But, like, legit to be able to say, like, here's here's this. Here's all this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I think think that's really important, because I was talking to a friend about, you know, doing the podcast, and I said... Before I could even think about it, I was like, if no one listens to this podcast, I would still do it. Because, like, mm. I 
love it. Yeah. And it and it really has like led me to other avenues to be creative and other avenues and other things that are coming soon. Everybody, yeah. um, be excited. Maybe by the time this gets out, the thing will be there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. I feel like I'm being teased. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know, that that idea to create for yourself is, is honestly the passion, I think, that keeps people going a lot. And I feel like it doesn't get talked about yeah. enough. Because um, creating for yourself is so important. And I think it's it's so healing because I think a lot of people tell you that, like, oh, your little thing's a hobby. Yeah. It's taking away from your real your real work, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And then, but then what they, but what people don't realize is like when you tell somebody that, and they listen to you, and they focus just only on this thing, their spirit breaks. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen that happen to people, and I've let that happen to myself. Where like, you know, I've been, you know, I'll be told that like. Natalia, this isn't the real thing, at yeah. least right now. So you shouldn't put any energy. It shouldn't. You don't need to make it good. It doesn't need to. But what happens was that is that you break. I feel like your spirit breaks. Yeah, yeah. And it seeps into other parts of your life because yeah. you're having nothing that you're creating that's giving you that 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 inner joy, that fun, that you know. Yeah. And I and I and I see that with a lot of artists, and I think I see it with a lot of people who were told many moons ago that something they were doing was just a hobby. Yeah. So therefore, yeah. it doesn't need, you know, yeah. any time or effort. Yeah, no, I, I experienced that too in law school because I took a year off beforehand and I that's when I finished like post-production on a Christmas CD I'd been working on in college. So I released that that Christmas and then also was auditioning for shows. Like auditioned for theaters in the area, I auditioned in New York. I did like one audition in LA. Nothing like ever like super yeah. legit came from it, but I was going to all these auditions. And then I went to law school. And when I went to law school, it wasn't that I said like, okay, well I got that out of my system, like never again. Yeah. It was more that in my mind I thought like, okay, this is gonna be very intensive. It's gonna take up a lot of my time and energy. Like it's hard for people who are just doing this. Let me just focus all my attention on that. And I couldn't, like, like I couldn't, like, I even prayed to, I was like, God, like, please, like, I, like, because it, it can hurt to feel so passionate about something that you're not currently working on, and, like, you know, not be able to do it. Like, there's this quote where it's just, like, if you want to, if you want to know where your heart is, look to where your mind goes when it wanders. And my mind would always wander to performing and to creating in some way. And I was just like, but I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't yeah. have the equipment. I don't have the personnel. I don't have like any of these things. Like I, I physically can't. And then at some point I just thought, fudge, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Like, I can't, I can't stop thinking about it. Like, would it be nice if my mind wasn't split down the middle? Yeah, it'd be great. But like, I apparently I can't like, and you know, the moment when you try not to, and you still have to, like, you know, that that's just a fundamental part of who you are. And so that was when I started, like, I started small. I was like, you know what? You've met a couple of musicians here. Um, like, the campus has, a, like, a recording studio that people can, like, rent out. Um, just, like, go. And that's when I recorded, like, the first covers that appeared in this um, series that I created called Summer Sessions. And it's just music that I've either re- recorded or released over the summer. And so I just recorded, like, two covers. 
I started it actually before I went to law school just for fun. And then I was like, I guess I won't do this again. But then the next summer I was like, I've met some people like I might as well. So I recorded something in the spring, I released it. And then it, every year since it's kind of been like, I don't know if I'm going to actually do it this year, but then I do. And so last year we had summer sessions part four and that's when I released the anthem. And then this year, I'm working with someone I actually met through Indico, who's become like a very good friend of mine. And she's taking, for the first time, she's taking one of my original songs and we're, we're arranging it and we're gonna record it and I'm gonna release my first original song. And like, none of this would happen. I'm like, over the moon. Like, I already told her, I'm like, I'm gonna be weeping in the studio. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. She's like, I'll probably cry too. And I'm like, great. I'm just doing over here doing my happy day. Honest, I'm, I'm very, that, that, that actually, that means a lot for me to be able to even say that because for a long time I did not consider myself a songwriter and like that journey has been very interesting um so to be able to sit here and say like I'm releasing an original song for the first time like properly recorded it's just like it's like blowing my mind um so yeah but it's just because I just kept doing it because I couldn't stop and then and then here we are and I think it's I mean, what you're saying to me sounds like an interesting um, discussion about, like, passions and how we have our passions that grow from other passions. Like, I didn't know that podcasting would lead me more into the world of, like, media and, like, journalism and writing and stuff. Like, I didn't know. Like, you know, it all leads to certain things that I think we often qualify or quantify what our passions can be and what they're allowed to expand yeah 100%. to yeah because like i don't know i i'm trying to think of like a good example of that i don't know just the, the idea that like we our passions can only be streamlined to one a hundred percent well i mean you know for someone like me like i have a ton of artist friends like people who like out of college moved to new york and like we're hustling and preparing in concerts or auditioning for shows and like I know people who are on Broadway <laughs> like you know people that like have put in the work and like while I'm over here having done this stuff like they've mm-hmm. like achieved real success or like made real strides in, in this area and like that can be hard to do where it's just like you know I think I struggled for a long time like saying can I call myself a professional artist if I haven't been paid to perform in a while if I'm not auditioning constantly if I'm not rehearsing if I'm not doing this like full-time the way I see other people doing like can I really call myself that because I even I wrote a blog post about this a couple years ago where it's just like I didn't know people would be like oh so you sing and I'm like I don't know how to answer that question because on one hand I could be like oh yeah sort of and like people like oh that's nice a hobby or like oh yeah I'm a professional people like oh what would he have seen you in yeah you know it's just like as opposed to me as a lawyer I knew that from the second that I got barred praise be to god <laughs> Literally, Jesus' hand was in it, <laughs> and his other hand, and his foot, and his whole body, like his ear you. too, like his ear, everything, his left eyelash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like let me just pluck. It's just like, look, Kevin really needs it. She really, really needs it. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, as a as an attorney, I knew as soon as I was licensed by the bar that I'm an attorney. No one can question that. No one can say like, oh, but are you really like you don't have this? Like, I'm an attorney. Like, you can't say anything about it. Same with being a doctor, same with like certain people that have gone to like PhD programs or like being a professor. But being an artist, like, you know, are you still an artist if you appeared on Broadway one year and went to the Tonys, but the next three years you're out of work? Or yeah. are you, you know, still a musician if you've never toured or like you people have never really bought your single or you don't have an agent? Like, it's just this, it's a lot harder to qualify 
what makes you a professional and what makes you an artist. Mm-hmm. And I think I struggled with that for a lot because my path has been very different from other people. Like I literally, I did a whole other degree and and a very intensive degree. Like it's not like a survival job, <laughs> like it really isn't. Like people barely survive the job in and of itself, much less like doing other things. And a lot of people that go into it would go into it and then they'd be done with the arts. They wouldn't yeah. still be trying to do it full time, but I'm literally still trying to do both. And the way I always thought about it was I have always felt like I'm on this path and I always was like worried for the day that I had run into this like Robert Frostian two paths diverging and that I had to pick one and that I'd be like scared that I would make the wrong choice somehow that I would pick one and be like extremely unhappy or another and be extremely unsettled and all these other things and what I've found in my life by the literal grace of God is just the fact that like these paths have actually just been intertwining the whole time I don't know how much longer they will, but they have been. One has been feeding the other. Like I felt comfortable launching Indico and my production company and doing all these other things because I have this legal background now and I know so much more about it and I feel so much more confident dealing with, you know, topics that other people don't know much about because they didn't go to school for it. And then, you know, being an artist and having all this other creative pursuits has led me to do like be a more interesting candidate for jobs in the legal world. And, you know, I studied abroad in Paris for my last year of law school because of law school. But while I was there, I got to meet all these musicians and recorded Summer Sessions Part 4. And, you know, all these things have just led into each other. And so it's just like, maybe it's not, maybe it doesn't have to be a straight, narrow path. Maybe it doesn't have to be two rows diverging in a wood. Maybe there's just, you know, trusting that they'll feed into each other and, and it'll all work out. That's what I'm clinging, clinging to. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. Well, that leads me to, like, another question then. Do you feel like all your degrees will be worth it? Because, you know, I I mean, say you go down this creative route and it's like, well, did I waste my law degree? Did I waste my undergrad degree? Did I, you know what I mean? Because I think that is also a fear for quote-unquote creatives that it's like, well, if I am talented in this area, why did I bother spending yeah. that money why did I bother wasting those years or not wait but right. is it waste yeah you yeah, know? yeah I mean I think I'm not gonna say here and say that that's never the case like I think that 100% could maybe be the case for some people I've been lucky in the sense that that has not been the case for me and I don't think it will be and the reason is because when I started my first year of law school they like you know gathered all the students during that first week and like intro and all that other stuff and they said you know law school will fundamentally change how your mind works like it'll literally like change how you think how you process information and I didn't really get it until like you know about maybe six months in and I was just you know reading articles like similar to the way I would have read them before but I was just thinking about them completely different I mean first of all I was thinking about the um the liability a lot more than I used to (laughs) like literally reading about a car accident I was like I wonder who's liable for this (laughs) it got very macabre um but it really has changed how I analyze things and how I think about things and that really has made me better as a creative just practically like I think about topics and things that I you know a lot of other people don't feel comfortable thinking about like I'll think about contracts drafting up and like who has the rights to this just because I have the information and I know that like oh there are different types of rights for this song like there's the music composition and then there's the recording who has what and publishing rights and people just don't know that information because they didn't go for three years to law school which is completely understandable that's what Indico is for (laughs) we want to give you that information so you don't have to get a whole degree um 
but even just in the sense how my mind works, like even as a creative, like I analyze things and think about things so differently and it just like stretched my mind in different Mm. ways that like it really has benefited me. But I think that's due to what law school is. Like it would be very different if I went to med school. Like if I went to med school, I could very much like think that it could be a waste of time because like it's very specialized knowledge that really only works in certain contexts. But the good thing about law school, which is what I remembered like as I was applying and going in and what my dad taught me, it's just like, you can do anything with this. You really can go out and be the next, like, you know, Beyonce or Britney Spears or whoever. <laughs> like you, this podcast is just a standing Beyonce and Bruno Mars. <laughs> the two Bs. <laughs> the greatest Super Bowl performance of all time. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's just, it, you really can do anything. You can be a professor, you can be a lawyer, you can be a government employee or president, or you can be a recording artist. You really can go, like, it, it will help you in many different ways. And, like, yes, you know, if if in some future that, like, I'm not actively practicing law or I'm not doing something, like, I'd still be using all the tools that I got from law school. Even just in contacts or people to know, or just honestly, in real talk, probably the most way it's been beneficial and just, like, challenging me. Like, I've really been challenged to do things and to stretch my mind and, like, my body and my capabilities and my energy (laughs) in ways that, like, I wasn't before and really just forced myself into new circumstances. Like, even living in Paris, that forced me to get comfortable in a brand new situation that, like, I'd never lived that far away from home by myself in an area where I didn't really know people. And then, like, I lived there for a year. And, like, that was maturing in ways that, like, an opportunity I might not have gotten otherwise. So, like, there won't ever feel like a moment I... At least I don't think that it'll feel like a waste because it's just been so beneficial to me already. Like, you know, I only graduated like a couple years ago. Like, it's already so beneficial. So. So I also know that you come from an immigrant household background. I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Um, if you couldn't guess by her last name, she is Nigerian. Yeah, um, you. <laughs> Nigerian know they carry last. <laughs> Um, are you Yoruba? Yoruba? Yes, I am. I won't. I won't comment further. <laughs> I won't, I won't, I'm not trying to extend any kind of tribal conflict. <laughs> that, that look. I love you all. I love you all. Just know that our Jollof is the best. That's all. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Our Jollof is the best. I'm sorry, Ghana. I love you too, but y'all can sit down. <laughs> I'm gonna get so many calls. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. That's, that's not serious. We're to be very aggressive. <laughs> oh, I know, girl. Oh, um, and how did they respond to this? Like, you know, it's like they don't—they don't name children. They name your profession. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, lawyer. <laughs> Actually, though, there's this clip from this Nigerian comedian called, uh, she plays this character called Mrs. Omokorede. And uh, there's a skit where she takes her, like, very young daughter, like, maybe, like, 10 years old, to her parents' teacher conference. And she sits down with the first teacher, and the teacher's talking about all her, like, empathy and how talented she is. And, like, Mrs. Omokorede is like, What do you teach? She's like, Art. And she's like, Where are the proper teachers? (laughs) (laughs) And, like, whisked her off to the side. Um, so <laughs> thankfully my parents never did that. <laughs> thought about it. I mean, look, <laughs> depending on the teacher. 
Um, no, my parents, it's, it's really funny when people ask me that because my parents um, are probably like my biggest cheerleaders. Um, and I'm so thankful for that and so like blessed by that. I mean, to be honest, I will say I feel like we're definitely living in a different time where people mm. like, it's possible to see someone actually succeed in like careers that you might not have considered before yeah like they're just like you know whether it's the fact that it's instagram and youtube and all those other things or like you see youtubers making millions of dollars and you're like Which keep recording in your bedroom like keep going let me I buy you a microphone i did not know that youtube was still popping off look. until like 2018 look i did not so know hot. twitter was still in use until i mean there's apparently some other new social network <laughs> the kids are using that i have no awareness of. i don't know i don't even know what it's called someone mentioned it to me i was like what i felt like i was 90 i was like what Dude, I cannot <laughs> tell you. I did not know people were still on Look. Twitter. Like, I didn't know people were still What's on What's funny about it is if you're... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was like, I thought you lived alone. <laughs> I welcome to my living boyfriend. <laughs> LOL. JK parents are still living boyfriend. JK. He had it. He LOL. Had it. <laughs> if only. Um, but... <laughs> that's a separate topic of conversation. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, anyway, point being my parents. Um, yeah, they have always been supportive. I mean, the thing is, like, they very much fueled the my love for the arts. Like, especially my dad. Like, I mean, if you don't get it by the end of this conversation, my dad is my actual hero. Like, <laughs> like, like literally the best man in the entire world to me. Like, I don't I know no better man except maybe Jesus. Not maybe <laughs> Jesus. Definitely Jesus. But also <laughs> Definitely Jesus, but also been my dad. Like, Slight Jesus been my dad. <laughs> and then my mom's, like, my best friend. So, like, my yeah. parents are, like, everything to me. Um, but they really did feel it when I was a kid. Like, my dad took me to musicals all the time. My first musical I ever saw was Beauty and the Beast with him at um, the Kennedy Center. I think I was, like, eight. And then my mom took me to see Aretha Franklin when I was 10 years old. Oh, and I, I, I wept. Like, they gave me the tickets. And, like, I was... <laughs> emotional because <laughs> I, I i was 10 years old and i love i loved aretha franklin i wrote a whole research paper in the eighth grade about aretha oh franklin. my god <laughs> i'm so jealous i wish i thought i thought of it like honestly like i would grow up listening to them in the car i listened to jazz in the car with my dad um they would sign me up for all these different theater camps and then like even the school they enrolled me in like from kindergarten to eighth grade it was a requirement that every grade put on a show and everyone in the grade had to be in it so i graduated eighth grade having been in literally 10 plays and musicals <laughs> like you know like it's just part of my education yeah. like not like my parents were flying me out to like you know all these other different yeah. venues and places and so their thing has always just been make sure that you position yourself well where you don't have to like rely just on that because they do think of it as like it's not the most stable of careers and like you can struggle for a very long time and they never wanted to see that which i understand most parents don't do especially immigrant parents where like you've moved to like give your kids the greatest future ever so the last thing you want to see them do is like not succeed and then um but like their whole thing was like yeah go to law school get this background and then like keep working on your other stuff and pursue it and like once again find ways to feed into it and my dad has actually been the biggest proponent i mean he keeps i'm gonna say joking though i know he's not joking but he keeps joking about getting his 10 percent at some point 
Because he really does act as much. He's not joking. I know he's not. I know. I know he's not. My look. My name is a literal contract. (laughs) Like my name literally means my full first name, which is Uluwafomokemi, literally means God will bless me with my children, which I just feel like is an insurance policy (laughs) for my parents (laughs) that I'll always take care. My first name is a literal contract. Like waiting on that refund on that deposit. My parents call like my education an investment. Like they're still waiting for the return. Take like with your degree when yeah, you graduate, yeah, yeah. you just smiling and just you. Yeah. My parents took that picture. I don't have a picture like. Oh that. yeah, 100. Yeah, <laughs> same. My I graduated from law school and like my parents started just taking pictures of the two of them. I was like, can I be present? As they were like, 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 I said, but I did the study. I know. They're like, look, they were congratulating themselves. I was like, can I? Can I get a shout out? Like, like a little bit. Like, can I get my I know. Honestly. Oh, but either way, like he literally, like he was the one that pushed me to do a Christmas CD for years, and I finally did it. He's the one after I did the Christmas mm-hmm. CD. He's like, "What are you going to do with that information?" And then years later, I did Indico. He's the one that is like pushed to do this, pushed to do that, this, this, and this. Like, they they are so supportive, and I think they just were like, "Just make sure you take care of everything else, and that you position yourself in a what in a way that you have opportunities." Like to them, wealth is opportunities, mm-hmm. the ability to choose. That is real wealth. It's not just money. It's the ability to like pick and choose your options, where you want to go, what you want to do, who you want to see, who you want to be. And so that was always their thing. And I am, I'm such a goody two-shoes. I just listen to them, pretty much everything. Like, <laughs> my, he, honestly, I call it as like an intelligent decision because they are always right, like, like always. And so at some point I was like, I could either fight this and be wrong or I could just, just save myself the time and just do what they said and, be, and they're always right. So like, I guess... My brother is not taking that approach. Bless him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my brother is not always taking that approach, but like you know, different people. Uh, <laughs> he's a lot more like uh, rebellious than I ever was. Um, but yeah, they've always been so well, he's phenomenal. Like, they're touchy. Look, there's I, a reason women only Look, I. It's so funny. A family friend literally just said that like. My parents told me a family friend literally just had their third son. And I, like, got panic attacks. Like, <laughs> the idea of being surrounded by that many men, like, I was like, oh, my God. I mean, like, every child's a blessing. But, oh, my God. Every child's a bug. What? Like, Jesus. Like, I just, I'm terrified of having a son. Like, I really am. I mean, I pray that I get the opportunity to. But, like, even still. At the same time. Like, like Jesus, we got Fudge. Like, I really feel like I'm gonna do like some sort of boot camp training. Like, I like, I've never understood how guys work as a as a young person, as an adult. Like, they don't change much. I feel like from birth to now. It's I mean, birth. look, I'm still confused. I also went to an all girls high school, so that's my okay. reasoning. I like missed out on four years of like on the in the field yeah. research. <laughs> Dream, and I think it's always not 
you know, lack of talent that's out there. It's lack of exposure and opportunity. hundred percent. Because we see, I mean, that beautiful, what's that? I can't remember who said it, but it's like this quote that, you know, the, the next writers and doctors are not, you know, in Harvard. Yeah. They're in the hood. But it's that that mm-hmm. that access to exposure and opportunity, 100%, and yeah. the and I think we I, while it is so important to be able to put food on your table and pay your bills, like we shouldn't want just that. Yeah. For ourselves and for our kids, like I feel like we teach. I can say coming from like a black household and from an immigrant household, like I feel like we so often teach our kids that that is enough. Yeah. Or like that is okay if that's all you get. Which it is, but it's not at the same time. You should want more and push more while still maintaining a balance of I don't know, like encouragement towards like the tangible. Yeah. But let me also foster this creative side because I feel like one day, you know, when you run that major multi million dollar law firm Look, you know what I mean? Because I'm speaking. Yeah, yeah claims. <laughs> but you want to handle, say, you need to handle entertainers. Yeah. And performers and musicians. It's like, well, I was. I am. Yeah. I understand how this works. I understand why they need this creative space. I understand why we're in this lawsuit because they feel like someone sampled something without. They're not like, I can. You better use some legal terms. Yes. Girl. How to go with murder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, suits. Like. <laughs> Listen, I'm a very learned person. Oh, um, yes. You better. Renaissance but woman. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's the thing because I, I mean, I also did that about for myself like you know like so I mean I love my parents and they're great and they're blessings and they put so much in my life but I feel like they've also only encouraged the tangible yeah versus like oh but like we know our daughter has these other talents that are extremely good and useful and like but did we foster that properly yeah I mean I think First of all, I fully acknowledge that it's a complete privilege Mm -hmm. like the fact that I've even had the opportunity to foster because like the, the places I've gone to, the schools I went to, the opportunities I had, the, the camps that my parents have put me in, or even just, like you said, having parents who would encourage that, mm-hmm. like, that's a complete privilege. And there are a lot of people that haven't had that and therefore haven't had their talents. Like, I know people like that who are more talented than me, but, like, they just weren't given the opportunity or the idea that they could or even the inspiration to. Meanwhile, I, like, from a very young age have been immersed in that. And so it never seemed like it was impossible because of that. And so I fully recognize that I'm completely privileged in that sense um but i also think it's good that it's interesting that you bring up like something that you're good at because my <laughs> being nigerian my parents are very <coughs> realistic <laughs> and very yes. real yes sometimes painfully so oh no i have jamaican parents this is it's not just like it's just like Ooh, <laughs> we're uh. the nigerians of the caribbean it's yes not- <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna claim excellence like <laughs> yes oh <laughs> um, but like there were many times where my dad has said um that he considered that I was talented and this isn't me just like upping myself but like you know like he would just be like they have encouraged me because they do recognize that there's real talent there that I'm actually good at this that it could be something um and they've made it very clear they're like if we didn't think you were talented we wouldn't like like we wouldn't push this as much like if we didn't think you could go anywhere with it um and then it was also just the acknowledgement that 
it's not just about talent, it's about opportunity, it's about placement as well. Like my data said over and over again, like if we were, you know, theater directors or had producer friends in, in, in LA or New York or somewhere, like, yeah, you could have had a record label. Like you're talented enough to, but like those are just not the contacts we have. Like my dad's a doctor, my mom's a lawyer. Like we, so we're not- telling you we got a doctor. Yeah, exactly, like, like, you know, it's just like, these are the connections we have. And so we can only help you so much in that vein. And so you really are gonna have to like start from scratch, which is, I have friends who like, they're incredibly talented and they deserve everything, but they had easier access to opportunities because their family was in the entertainment or they knew someone. And like, that makes another huge difference too. And so like, you can be as talented as you want, but if you don't like know the right people or if you're just trying to help, like it can, it can be such a different struggle. Which So I get parents who are like, we know nothing about this world. Like absolutely nothing. We know this. We want to make sure that you're provided. That is our job as a parent. We want to make sure that you are good for long after we're gone. This is what we can do for you. We'd like to help you with this, but priorities, you know? And if you don't have the time, if you don't have the opportunities to, like, things would be very different if, for instance, I already had a family. Like, if I had a husband and kids, like, I'm not saying that people who don't can't, but, like, obligations on your time matter. So, like, the fact that, like... FYI, in case anyone's inquiring, in case inquiring guys wants to know, but like, you know, I don't have those obligations on my time, and it's like having to get back home to my kids or whatever. Like, yeah. I can come home and rehearse or plan interviews or do these other things, and like, it's just uh, so much goes into it, and so much is just like how you can prioritize yourself and your time and what your parents can do for you. And at, at the end of the day, your parents are the best for you, like any good parent. Oh yeah, I mean, of course, uh, of course. And so it's just, but it's just hard to like. If that's not the world you know, you want to stick to what you know. And so I res- respect my parents so much for emphasizing that, but I also respect them for being very realistic with me and emphasizing that I like get an education on various different things, that I am like be the best at, at whatever I'm doing. Like that's a very Nigerian mentality. Like oh, yeah. you're just like, you have to be the best because it's like, why? Why are you competing? Like <laughs> second place is first place loser. Like, <laughs> like it sounds so harsh, but it's just like, be the best. Like yeah. you get the 98, where's the other 2% like on the desk? Like, <laughs> you know? But that, but that spirit of hustle is embedded so deeply in me that when people tell me no, I'm just like, okay, who who can I speak to next? Like, <laughs> you're not doing. Like, honest, I there was there was this time in college where a friend of my one of my best friends, she was applying for this job, um, and she had to go through a middleman, and the middleman was like MIA, like her application was not getting submitted, all this other stuff because the other person was like going through personal issues and just wasn't there. And I literally told her, I was like, you are not doing your job who put me in touch with who I can work with to circumvent you. Like, like I need, I get out of my way. Like, it's just very much like charge forward. So. I mean, no, and I, and I support that. And I think I, what I see though, and what I fear, because I, I think about black and brown communities mm-hmm. and I think about the mentality that is in, in many black and brown communities, not, you know, speaking for all, but the idea that, you know, if we are provided for that is enough. Yeah, and if our kid, which which it is, it is to yeah. an extent, but this idea that we don't even want to expose our kids to allow to allow them to think that it, there is more. Yeah, yeah. Because I think there's a power in daydreaming. Yeah, 100%. you know, like Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> moment of silence. <laughs> Read it to but, that what you will. But at the same time, if a brother didn't, for everything that it does do for some, 
negative things at the same yeah. time he employs black people yeah he writes a script for black i mean all of that to say if this man didn't daydream yeah you know if oprah didn't daydream yeah if like you know what i mean those for are sure. all those if miss tina didn't daydream for her two but, babies like, not have Beyonce play like good classical music when she was pregnant <laughs> <laughs> That good Rahman and all. That's what I'm saying. It's like we, there shouldn't, versus I, because I know growing up, I saw a lot of my white friends who would have parents who like super encouraged them yeah, to, yeah. what, you know, what even, they may not have been the best singer, but they got them voice lessons because the kid loved it so much. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That sure. type of level, that level yeah. of like, we're going to still give them that exposure mm-hmm. so they know that if they want to pursue something, and I think that's that's my hope. And I love talking to you because I see a black woman who's started two companies, become a lawyer, <laughs> and is like still like I'm gonna pursue all these things. And it's also because you you were exposed to it. You had parents who yeah. were like, "Oh, she's talented. We're not just gonna let her sing in the choir on Sunday. We're gonna still like let her yeah. do these things." And and I, you know, and and get, put her in places. Yeah. That would give her, you know, a little more of a leg up than just the school play. Yeah. Because I did a bunch of school musicals and I loved every one of them. Like, I loved, and I love all the opportunities because I know I got more opportunities than other members of my family because of where my parents positioned me. Yeah. And I think because of that, I was able to dream more For in sure. many respects on this idea of going to not just, okay, you're going to go to college, but you're going to go to graduate school. Yeah. You know, like those are, it's like, you, you, you understand that this debt that you incurring, there's also should be a return on that good investment for you to get that, you know what I mean? But not yeah, everybody yeah. gets that. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's hard to speak to other people's experiences. Yeah. Mine are so singular. And so I can't speak to like other people who weren't given those opportunities, but you know, it really is. It really is up to, like, parents. I mean, like, at a certain point, you want to position yourself and support yourself, but you're right. It really is to how your parents, like, position you. And not even just in terms of school. Like, my my dad was very insistent on making sure he spent quality time with me and my brother. Like, he had a very intensive job. And at one point, he had a job where he was, like, flying to different hospitals and would do shifts. And so he'd be gone for a long time. But, like, he stopped doing that at a certain point because he wanted to make sure he was, like, not missing our childhood, like, not being gone for, like, several days at a time. And I'll, I'll ne- for as long as I live, I'll never forget, he would drive us to school in the morning and, you know, before my brother was born and ruined everything. No, JK. <laughs> JK, I love you, Shale. Really I love you. I love you so much. He's uh... literally just here. We literally, like, just hung out last night. Um, but, like, no, but before, like, you know, when it was just me and my dad, um... My brother was born with a six, so like the first year, six years of my life was just like us going to school, and we would play, we would play Powerpuff Girls. Like that was my favorite, like one of my favorite shows. And so we'd literally be in the car for thirty minutes, and he would play Professor X and Mojo Jojo, and I'd play all three of the Powerpuff Girls, and we would invent scenarios. Okay, <laughs> Nigerian like, doctor playing doctor. Literally, like, I am Bojo Jojo. And, like, full on, like, on 66 at, like, 7 a.m. Bless his heart. Probably haven't, like, gotten to bed at, like, 10, 30, 11 p.m. that night. And, like, he... But he, he did the full thing. And, like, I had this auntie, this um, British auntie who, when I was very little, she literally shipped an entire box, like, a big box of books. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were mostly British books, which is why I spelled color with a U for many years. <laughs> no one People would be like, you're wrong. And I'm like, uh, lies. <laughs> I speak the Queen's 
Like, exactly. Like, 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 sit down. We're <laughs> gonna get with it. Like, I was Meghan Markle before she was Meghan Markle. But <laughs> Prince Harry, where you at? <laughs> but like, like, honestly though, like I read like a fiend. Like, and so all these things fed my imagination. So you say like the power of the daydream, like. Yeah. It was it was strong within me. The power me. of the daydream is so. It was so strong. You starting a bit, that's the power of the daydream. Yeah, it was just because I thought I could, but it's just because like my mind goes to places that sound ridiculous, and then I just started doing stuff, and they became true, and I was like, I guess I'll just keep trying until like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hit a roadblock. Like like so far so good. Like. Do you, you feel know? like if you were a man or a, or not a woman of color, like these wouldn't. Not that these things wouldn't happen, but you would have faced less resistance, or do you think it would have, or do you feel like it's been a smooth sailing? I think it's been as smooth sailing as it has been for any human person. Mm. Like, I, I struggle with people talking about male privilege and mm. white privilege and all these, like, the struggle of being a, a woman of color and, and being a woman. And that's not to say that I don't recognize that some people really do face it. It's just, I'm not your poster child. <laughs> like, I'm literally the face of privilege. If you look at the schools that I've been to, the areas that I've lived in, the opportunities that we've discussed that I've talked about, like, I, like I'm not your, I'm not your icon. Like, I'm not your person for this. Find someone who's actually struggled for that. Mm-hmm. Like, Mindy Kaling has this quote where, like, you know, someone asked her what it was like to be a you know South Asian uh, woman uh, in this industry and be like the only like woman and woman of color in this writer's room at 24 yeah. years old in the office. And she's like, my parents raised me with the mentality of like a, a blonde white man. Like, <laughs> like, like, like I don't see struggle because like I just don't. And I wouldn't even say that my parents thought of me like that. They just raised me as a person. Like they're yeah. just like, you're Kemi. You have these skills and these abilities. You're our daughter. You can achieve. There's no reason. Like it was the kind of thing where like you come home and I'd be like, oh, I got an 84 on a test. And they're like, what happened? And I was like, but I got the highest in my class. Or like, you know, Jessica or Tommy or whoever got better. I was like, we're not sending them to school. We don't give a funny about <laughs> Jessica or Tommy. They can, they can, if they're going to jump off a bridge, we jump off a bridge. Like they, they did not yep. care about what other people were doing. It was only me. I was in control of the decisions I make, the place I put myself in. Like, even luck and opportunity, like, yeah, they had something to do with it, but, like, a lot of it was just to focus on, like, hard work and using my abilities. And so I just don't see struggle. And I, and I, I, I don't like when people assume that I have struggled because I feel like A, can either take away with like the work that I've done and the hard work that I put into it and them saying like, oh, well, as a black woman, you should achieve this much. I'm like, no, as a person, I've achieved this much. I think it's, I think it's similar to Serena Williams being called the, the best female athlete. She's like, no, but she's like, I'm I'm she's the greatest athlete, athlete, just point blank. I, I think it's interesting that you say it like that because I, I mean, this is not, it's, it's interesting the way you frame it because mm-hmm. let's not forget the inherent power structures that is, exist yeah. as a society. Right. So I think, I think it's hard to, I think now the question becomes, are we recognizing those inherent power structures in turn? And so when we see a black woman like rising up, we're just yeah. like, oh no, she had to deal with the inherent power structures. Let's right. ask her about it. Yeah, which I, I mean, it's so funny. There was someone who asked me to speak 
at one of the schools I had been to before. They're like, oh yeah, we'd love for you to come back to the students and speak about your work. And I was like, okay, when? And she's like, it was like a Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. I was like, okay. And then like of all the weekends or the weeks and all, this is the one you pick. I was like, okay. And it's like, what would you like me to talk about? They're like, oh, it's just your struggle is, you know, you know, facing. And I was like, did you see where I went to college? Did you see like, I was like, I, there's no struggle. There's the struggle that's been there is the struggle inherent to anyone that goes to school or goes to like, there's, I, I'm not, I, once again, I'm not your poster child okay. for that. Like, th- that just has not been my experience. Yeah. And that's not to d- discount the experience it has been for other people. Like, I met a ton of people, you know, in college and in law school who re- that really has been their experience. And I fully find that legitimate. But, like, don't then try and make it mine because okay. it, it, it's not true. It's not genuine and it's not real. And it takes away from what really has been my experience and what actual struggles that I personally have faced, which are not tied to my race, they're not tied to my gender. And I don't like putting people putting boxes around me that I didn't see in the first place. Mm. Like my imagination and my mind runs wild and rampant. Anything is possible for me. So then don't put limitations there that I don't see. Like that's more like, cause I do, I do know a lot of, you know, women or a lot of people of color will be like, there is a system and like you're inherently subject to it and you're inherently victim to it, even if you don't know it. And like, you're boxing me in. You're limiting yeah. like the things I can dream for myself by putting in these things I don't see. If I don't see them and I'm thriving, why point that out? If that's not true to me or if I'm not worried about that, that's like pointing something out to someone that they're, you know, a problem that they don't see and then that's suddenly all that they can think about. Because I do, I know, I met a lot of people in school who they could not see past the limits that other people had placed for them. So they couldn't mm. dream. They couldn't, they could, I would do all these things and they're like, Kemi, I don't know how you do that. I would never. And it's just like, you can do it too. Like you're literally like placed in the same, like, but you're all. And I think, I think, I think that is what it is though. It's like, because of certain experiences and because, like, I think about things that my parents told me about, like, you're a black woman. Right. Like BG dubs. <laughs> like, if you didn't know. Like, well, no, but I mean, it's true because I mean, a lot of people that I know that are of color and a lot of people that I've met growing up, it's like, because we were told yeah. that there were these lines. Yeah. And we were, and then not just like from family, but from society, like yeah. just the messages we got in school, on TV growing up, like, yeah. it didn't. You know, it was just like there. You won't get past this. Yeah. You won't get past. And when we see, and I think also just because like what we see on TV, you know, mm-hmm. the first time a black woman has won this such and such Oscar, yeah, yeah, yeah. the first and we're in the, the Lord's year of twenty nineteen. So like <laughs> that to me, that that to me is like okay. So like we still have a long way to go. Yeah. And but that's not to put boxes around you. Right. I don't think. Because I don't want to put... Because if that hasn't been your experience, I don't want that. For sure. On the pot. Because I want to hear about... Because the whole point, you know, is to hear about women in our stories. Because what I do think is missing is women and our stories. Yeah. Uh (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, hearing about... Because it... Let's not forget that you started this company with another woman. I did. It was <laughs> funny. It was funny because someone like asked me, and they're like, "Oh, is this just for like female power?" We're like, "Oh no, we're like, it's just for happens. everybody." Like it just happened that like you know we went to an all girls high school and we're like very good friends and we worked together great. Like yeah. And we started this company, yeah. which is great. Like that the fact that you like started a company as two women and it's like that's also another that people would assume. Yeah. But but even but even a little bit of us had an assumption where like we were hiring we were looking at hiring an intern and 
we got a lot of like men applying and like we both looked at each other like how to consider us having a male <laughs> which is so it's so ridiculous like of course there's and we we currently do he's great we love him but like but we, our default yeah. was like I mean, and to be fair, once again, like, we met in an all-girls school, so I think that's, like, often our default. But we'd just be like, oh, yeah, let's be a company for a while until we, like, pick up a couple of men. But, like, once again, our... No, but it's... But I I think... I think because as a... I think holistically... Yeah. I think a lot of people are coming to terms with, oh, there are certain narratives that we're only hearing. Or even narratives that we only hear about in a certain context like sure. I, I talked about this I don't think I'm talking about the podcast but I never talked about it with friends about how much I love Insecure yeah but that was that's not my that's not my experience, experience yeah as a black woman in her 20s for sure like I deal with a lot of similar but I'm yeah. also like but they also grew up in situations where it was like they were used to, I grew up in a dominantly white town yeah that's yeah. not the experience that they show yeah on this they sh- they show women black women who grew up with a lot of other black people you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. just like and so it's like but I feel like so often when we see black stories represented it's kind of not because this sounds like I'm dissing on Lisa which never would do but like <laughs> but it's you know set it off I just want to yeah. set it off for the first time yes Bless. a couple weeks ago Bless. So good, Great. excellent, excellent program. Yeah. I recommend. But, <laughs> but the fact that like, I at the same time I was like I've seen this before. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because it's like this is the black story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we constantly get told to us in different ways, yeah. in many different shapes, and so I'm so happy to have an ex- have you on to talk about an experience where like no one told me about struggle. I mean, just struggle that wasn't race or like, yeah, I didn't no, struggle. No. <laughs> Charm life, silver spoon. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have seen my apartment in Paris. Actually, that's not in Hello. <laughs> I want you to know how bougie you should have seen my apartment in Paris. It was tiny. It was so fudging small, bless. But it's like, but, but no, you know, talk about like, this idea of like you don't know struggle in terms of color. No. To be able to come from that, which I feel like you're living in thirty twenty and I would, but I prefer it that way because it's because it's yeah. the same where it's just like I didn't. Once again, I just didn't want to see those limits. And the thing was, I feel like the best way to explain it, um, I had explained it to a friend, another like Nigerian American friend, because there's also that weird divide too. Yeah. Like a lot of people like feel a, a difference between being like a first or even second generation like Nigerian or like some sort of immigrant American versus being like black black American like there were just certain things that really 100% really were not my experience but you kind of, kind of just lump them all together yeah. and you don't want to necessarily dissociate as if you're like I don't want to be associated with the other black Americans but it's just like but you can't also force that to be my experience yeah. like I'll never forget my <laughs> my freshman year of high school we had the club fair and um you know like it was also like predominantly like like white neighborhood predominantly though it was very international since it was like all girls school half boarding half day so we had a lot of boarding students like from all around the country and all over the world um my family used to joke about me it's just like why are all our friends asian <laughs> like, well like the koreans but, like the people from like Laos and like china um but 
Anyway, I was at the club fair, and I'm just walking around looking at all the tables, of course, sign up for the performing arts club, madrigals, the things that, like, I'm really passionate about. And then I happened to be walking by the Black Student Union table at the same time that all the other Black freshmen were walking by. <laughs> and one by one, they signed up. And then they all just looked at me expectantly. <laughs> like, I know you're not about to leave this table. What I'm putting you like, I know. You will not have the audacity <laughs> to walk by. So, of course, I very dutifully, <laughs> I don't like conflict. I dutifully wrote my name down. Says the lawyer. <laughs> I know. I don't like conflict, but don't test me. Like, <laughs> don't push it. Like, I will fight. Um, but so I signed up, and I spent a year in the BSU. And I, like, did what I could, but it was very clear to me from the beginning that these people would not necessarily have naturally been my friends. Uh if it were for the fact that I was black. Like, it's not like we had, like, personally a lot in common or senses of humor were the same. It was just, like, like, as Lisa says, like, we were just being black together. Yeah. But it wasn't even my black. Like, it wasn't even the black mm. as I know it. Mm. And so I quit after a year because I was like, I'm spending time in a club that I would not normally be in if it hadn't been for the fact that I walked by. But it was, once again, that expectation and that pressure. It was just like, once again, I know you're not about to... Like, it, it was yeah. visceral. I was 14 years old. But I was like, they really, like my reputation or whatever standing I have in this school, this brand new school, will be damaged in some way if I walk past it. And it was just like, you know, I, I felt like I almost avoided situations like that because I just like, I just don't want us to be friends together just because our skin color is kind of the same. Well, it's true. Like, your black is different from my black. And yeah. I think that is something that's often disregarded in many narratives. For sure. And I think it's being talked about more that, like, the black... I always say every black experience is a black experience as long as it doesn't tear down somebody else's black experience. Yeah. I know that's a mouthful, but, <laughs> but it's true because, you know, we are not a monolith. No. And I think, I think, I, I feel like we're in a space now where that's further coming to light. Yeah. That like, black, oh, black, you, you're not all the same. You see me as the same, but we're, I was like, no, no, but we're not. Yeah. The same. Well, it's just well, there's also more content. Whether it's talking about hair yeah. care or like like I was talking to um, I was talking to the hairdresser that I, I I met with and like I was telling her like yeah I've been natural my whole life um, and I thought I knew what that meant but like it wasn't such a popular thing back then so there wasn't as much information but now in the age of the naturalistas and the natural and the you know YouTube's and the articles and everything there's just so much more information I mean look but like there's just so much understanding that even with 4C black hair there are differences like even in a category that you think you can lump in together there's so there are differences how you treat it how you act it and the fact 4C hair is rough honestly and then even like the idea of like the Fenty Beauty where you have 40 different shades. Like you're not just like, okay, this for black people, this one shade and that's for why, all of the black people. And think about how amazing and why people stay on Fenty. Because yeah. And it's good though. It's not even it's just like, good, it's, so good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I remember the first time I saw my best friend wearing it. We, ironically, we were off to see Black Panther. So we got knocked out <laughs> up. Because lies you tell me if like we're actually Nigerian and we don't get showed up versus like someone who did like a month long study abroad in Kenya comes oh, in there like, Kenta Claw. <laughs> like then they bought at the airport like, like, like on their way home I know I was like let me call my grandma and get like something flown in like we doing it like we doing it have my fro out like I never run my fro to the, 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 the movies I had, look we weren't playing but she stepped out of the car and I was like why is your skin glowing and she's like Fenty I was like 
Like, like, can we make a piss off at Sephora real quick? It's crazy because they look at, I mean, they look at the amount of dollars that women of color, not just but women spend on beauty and hair care. It's crazy. It's insane. How small of it is. That one little ethnic section in Target. That's why I can't buy my, I can't do drugstore because yeah. it's just you can't you can't go to CVS and just pick up some you no. know what I mean like for the longest time it was just Mac black, just, I don't care what so kind much of black, fatigue and you're just Mac I don't care what kind of black woman you are you That's only so shopped at Mac oh, like, Lord. Yeah. it does not matter yep. what kind of black that is the black experience. I was, see, that's funny because I did Sephora, and it's only because when I was 18 year old, someone gave me like a gift card to Sephora, and it's just been my default since then. So I've but always like, been a Sephora. Mac thing. is also in Sephora. That's true. <laughs> Actually, I like, TBH, I probably had a Mac like powder thing that I took no, from my mom. I was like, don't TBH, lie, you only like, had Mac. You're right. Like, you're right. You're right. I will actually right. speak about your black experience. It was only Mac. You're right. That's the all that that one thing is the same sharing experience. Ask any black yes. woman on the street. That is Sally's. So like, oh, true. That is Sally. I still go to Sally's. Girl, play. girl please. <laughs> this got very black. I, <laughs> but 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 let me tell you, that's authentic. Because yes. that actually was my experience. And like me sitting in between my mom's like knees at 2 a.m. and she's trying to make my hair look presentable. Like that's real. As and you can talk to, like, to any black person about that. Right. There's certain things that I feel like a lot, a lot of times where my parents back with us, any black person will definitely have that experience. But like there, there's, there's certain things and certain nuances. And, and I, but, I'm, but I'm glad now that people are saying like black is not a monolith. No. And and we have our different experiences and more of those stories should be shared for sure. because I, th- I think for me, what I loved was blackish because mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. blackish represented more of what it was like. Growing it up was like a me. 90s show. It was like, you know, pre-scandal Cosby show. <laughs> I'd like read like, like that hurts. That really hard. hurts. Cause I was going to show that. My, show um, my white kids. friend um, actually suggested. Yes, You're one way. <laughs> the one way. I only got one. No, I have, <laughs> I have many white friends. Um, Good. She, she was like, literally talking about this. She goes, you know what they need to do? They need to remake every episode of the Cosby show with Idris Elba so we can still enjoy Look. it. Look, I said, look, girl. JoJo did it with her albums. I don't see why we can't she, do it with this, like eight seasons. And the seasons. album is still fire. Yo, of course. I was like, yes, baby, it's you. <laughs> like my homie says, B.I. Like, <laughs> I to the album. Out, like, please, right so now. <laughs> don't get me excited. I, I will wrap the entire thing up like homeboy. Like, look, oh, don't do it now. I love Lord it. have mercy. But it's you like, don't want to do it now. I'm, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'll sit down. <laughs> See myself out. But the thing, I mean, but there are, but that's true. I mean, that we. There were old school stuff. Like, it was Moesha. It was um, the Cosby Show. It was yes. um, Martin. It was Family Matters. Like, like, like they were all the full houses of like, for yes. black people. And they were all like, that's me. That's me. That's no my, one, my dad's a doctor. Under, my mom's a lawyer. People like, underappreciate the 90s. No oh, one. yeah. Proud family. Yo. Oh, yo. That was my family. Like, yo. But, but, like, that's what I'm saying. So now that we, well, my dad's a little bit more together with Oscar. Oh, wow. Let's oh, shade <laughs> Oscar. He tried. The man tried. My, doesn't, my dad doesn't try. He does. Ooh, excuse okay. me. Excuse he me. does. Yes. But, like. Yes, that, <laughs> that is him. Yes. Yes. Um, but the thing about, like, just the experiences that 
we saw so much diversity. And I was really thinking about that the other day because I was like, I wish there was more of that on TV. And I was like, but there was. There was. It, yeah, Lisa Ray talked about it too. Yeah. I was like, there was. We forget how good the, the 90s, 90s just were. didn't, we didn't appreciate it because we didn't know. You had, even for people in their 20s, you had girlfriends, you had, we had living oh single, you had a different world. Yes. Like you had, which, oh, Dubs, a different world is now on Amazon Prime, everybody. Yeah. Um, so like, <laughs> public, announcement, public service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's all these things that we don't real like we did not realize and how much we needed that yeah, yeah, yeah. because when blackish came out like I, my mom's not a doctor you know but like but the way it functions and it's like, like suburban home it's yes just very like, suburban like home. united family like you know and it's like and it, it's funny because like you know the episode where um he tries to get his son to go uh, to a HBCU. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he was like, ah, oh, we didn't make them black enough. Like, you know, that that's yeah. my family. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's black-ish. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, but I, I mean, I do deal with, like, many struggles that that are, are widely talked about, like, sure. uh, as the typical black struggle. But at the same time, like, blackish is also, like, really accurate. <laughs> yeah. But, you know what I mean? For and sure. it's like, I wish, and I guess, like, insecure is like our girlfriends but like that's on a paid channel like you know yeah, what I mean yeah. we, we don't have as much and I want that plethora to come back so people can understand that like things you will see that are common we'll talk about the hair yep we'll talk about the family being foolish yeah at all times a day <laughs> but like you can see that'll be a common thread but you'll see the differences in how we the thing, experience life the thing for me that and I feel like that's really like the, the goal, at least for me, is the goal when anyone can watch it and feel a kinship with it. And I think that's what I benefited from as a kid. Like, yes, we had all those wonderful shows that I watched like voraciously and like loved, but like, I also was a fiend for Boy Meets World, like yes. Lizzie McGuire, oh, like, like you know, like all, all these shows, like I am obsessed with friends and I don't need to, I mean, it's great to have diversity, but I don't need to see a black person on the screen to relate. Like, I am Ross. Like, I like I don't need them to be a certain color for me to relate to them. And like, I appreciate that I have that perspective. I appreciate that I respect when they do are the same color than me and they look like me, which is why like Black Panther was such a phenomenon. And like, it did affect me in ways I didn't expect it because I was like, I've seen myself in other people. I don't like Mindy Kaling is my role model. Like, I don't need to look like them to like feel mm-hmm. like them. But it did feel really good to see these black women killing it and looking like glowing like they swallowed the sun and their hair growing like. But that's but I think that's the thing. It's like for I mean, I need that though. (laughs) I like I know that I need to see people that look like me because I grew up in a space where I was outright told I wasn't pretty because Uh, I was like you know what I mean like I was told you you saw very little representation of loving black relationship for like, sure you know what i mean 100%, like yeah. functioning so it's like you i can relate to obviously white people in shows like yeah, i mean yeah. everybody relate to listen wire but <laughs> there is something to be said about being able to what, what i guess it's like why do we tell black people that they should be able to see themselves in these white characters but we don't tell white people that they should be able to see themselves in yeah. these but that's black my thing characters. that's that's for me that's the other half of it for them to be able to watch like all the people to watch insecure and be like yeah that me like yeah i didn't grow up in compton and like yeah i don't like talk like this or like don't have these issues but like i still see myself in a struggling young 20 something who's trying to figure out the world like 
I've had friends who are like, well, I'll watch it. But like, oh, that's such a sad movie. And they're like, I feel like that's more of just like a black movie. And I'm like, just like, this is just a white movie. Like, it's just like, yeah, like, it's like, just so like, I, like I have to watch sit through this. Like, why can't you sit, you know? Because we, we, we niched it. Like, marketed it has like that. To, well, I don't even think it's necessarily like the black community was like, we're going to niche ourselves. Right. Society. Well, I mean, like, I feel like there are black people who are like, this is just for us. Oh, like, yeah. do you want to, oh, like, 100%. I want to, which, like, I get that. Like, you know, if you feel like things are taken, that's how I felt like. Spoiler alert, at the end of Avengers Infinity War, it's like, we can't have nice things. No, man. I was, like, I was just like, Wakanda. I was like, two seconds later, I was like, this is why we can't have nice things. Like, they niche just again in our own country. I'm so pissed. But it's like, because here's the thing, you know every black person wants to sign up and go to Wakanda real quick. Look, <laughs> look, I'll repopulate. Like, <laughs> but, but, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, there's a reason I will spend my money on black film black yeah. art black um black production because and I, I want it to mainstream yeah. we don't have to have these conversations i just yeah this is mainstream i just want it to be something for me as a performer and as a as a, a viewer i wanted to just feel like a universal experience like not every black person's experience is going to be mine not every white person's experience is going to be mine not every asian hispanic whatever but like there's some experiences that are just so real that they do feel like mine. For instance, like I, I was an original Lin-Manuel Miranda stand before all of you Hamilton people. Let me just put it there. Y'all can sit down. Ten years ago, I saw In the Heights on Broadway, oh, so, and he was so, in it. So, Everyone so, can sit down. People be like, "Oh my God, I love Lin. Sit down." <laughs> um, but point being, like it was. I was just, that's how I feel about Ariana Grande because I've loved her since she was on Look, look, sit there. People can sit down. I've been, I've been here. Um, don't act like I don't know. All Honestly. The oh, well. Thank you. She's um, an understudy for the main parts. She got gypped. Oh, anyway, well. I'm like, <laughs> pissed. Like, low key, man. Like, that's how deep this Honestly, deep standing goes It's so deep. Like, continue. I'll, anyway. <laughs> but, like, I was literally just talking to a friend about this and, um, I, my high school was supposed to take a trip to see um, Gypsy with Patti LuPone, which for Mm. any like theater conscious person, this is a huge, like this is it. Like it's, like it's, it's, it's it's deep. Like it's real. Yes. And so I was like 18 years old about to see Patti LuPone and Gypsy and like everything in my body was like, like senses alert. And then the show got pulled early. And like we had already bought tickets, our trip had already been planned, and so they were scrambling to find another show. And they're like, I mean, there's this new musical about like people that live in like the barrio in New York, and like it won a bunch of Tonys. Like, I mean, I guess we could see that. And like my face, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what happened? It's like they rap and speak in Spanish, and I was like. I mean, okay. Like, we were going to see Patty LaPone. Like, in my mind, I was like, this rando new musical that, like, I don't know how this relates to me or whatever. Like, like, and meanwhile, like, Gypsy, like, I guess, like, I already paid the tickets, but as well. Cut to intermission, and I'm weeping. Like, like, literally, like, people had to silence me. Like, I was, like, in my feelings. But the thing about it was, that show... It wasn't just about Hispanic people, you know, from all different Latin American countries living in like, you know, the the a rough neighborhood in New York. It was it was about family. And when I watched that, I saw my multi-African church in there. I saw my grandmother. I saw my aunt. I saw, you know, me in 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 um, 
Nina's character going off to college and wanting to make her family proud and like being worried that she this is literally right before I go to college and it was just such a real experience and it it, it resonated I always said like with from but the first act this is a community I wanted to be a part of by the second act I realized it was a community I was already a part of and like once again they're rapping they're in Spanish like you know they're from the Dominican Republic and PR and like Cuba and like all these places I've never been to and like I don't speak Spanish and like I can pretend rap but I can't like off the spot like I didn't grow up in a rough neighborhood I didn't grow up in New York like I was suburban as it gets but I saw myself and like that's the kind of art that touches me the most and the kind of experiences that I want people to share. And so I never want to discount somebody else's experience or say that I'm dissociating myself from it because it's not mine, but I don't want people to limit themselves and to yeah. limit me. And that's mm-hmm. like, I think where, and I maybe don't always express it the best, but that's where like, that's my like thing. When people are like, as a black woman do this or as a young woman do that. It's just like, as a human being, as a person, as a performer, as an artist, like, you know, my friend in college, we talked about this and we were like, how do you rank the qualities of yourself? Like, how do you prioritize yourself? And I was like, being a black woman, that's not on my like list of priorities. Like if it goes, it's like woman is higher than that. Nigerian is higher than that because that's so much more specific to my experience. I'm very Nigerian. I mean, in some ways, like I'm still American, but I'm very Nigerian. Like I'm a woman, I am suburban, I am a performer. Like those in my mind rank above in the qualities that define me than like just black and then there are other people where that's the number one quality and I'm not discounting that there's no experience but then don't force it to be mine Mm. and so like don't raise that in the things I prioritize with myself and like in when it's not once again and that's not to say that I'm sitting here like I'm not black like, like because then not, I would have to right, there's delete a, this entire you know, <laughs> like girl I'm like, like, the, the X-Files and, yeah, like, <laughs> buried like I, I I'm not playing this kid as someone's no, like, no cough a bit like, <laughs> um, but like I'm not sitting here being like I don't recognize that I'm a black woman and I don't it's not even that I'm sitting here saying like I don't recognize that some people see me that way but I don't care it's how I see myself and you know, growing up, my, my every time I got out of the car going to school, my dad uh, would always tell me, I'm going to mispronounce this, so Nigerians don't at me. But like, <laughs> I, they, he'd say, which means remember whose child you are. And it was always about like, remember, you're our child. You're an adagoroya. You're a high achiever. You're this, you're that. There are no limitations. Go achieve. And he'd say that every morning before I went out to school from the moment I was a young kid. So this built into who I am. It's just like you, like it doesn't matter what other people say to me or what they tell me. My limits are. I know who I am. I know who, like, I know who my God is. I know who my family is. So no one can limit me because I can't limit myself. That makes sense. That got real deep. That to my last question. Oh God. Okay. Oh, well. um, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? <laughs> it's interesting because I actually see myself like I define myself more of a woman than I do like as like I define myself more by gender than I do by race but I think a lot of that is also because like I went to an old girls high school so for four years I was just surrounded by women and the whole like woman empowerment I mean how do I define being a woman I think I think it's I think it's hard to define if it was a general definition because as we said for black women there's or for, for for black people there's no one experience like I know firsthand like I know I have 
probably majority female friends and they're all crazy different in many different ways and they're not limited necessarily by who their gender is like you could say oh like nurturing this or like loving that or that but like I joke that like a lot of my like closest friends are like as I put black widows like like I see them in relationships and you're like if you broke up like you just know the guy would be the one who was wrecked by it like you just know like the like a lot of my friends are like I can leave or take this but like the guy would be devastated <laughs> that's how I plan on living my whole life like honestly like it's just like but like in a lot of instances you'd be like oh no it's always a girl that like it which oh, I no, feel like girl, listen, I feel like it's, I feel like I'm that person like I definitely tend to like hang on to things a lot more than that's my friends do that's what so what Holly has told me like I fed into that I unfortunately suffer from the like unholy trifecta of like loving rom-coms musicals and Disney movies so like the romance in my mind is massive <laughs> problematically so but that's a conversation for another day um I am like Beyonce's first half of Lemonade oh, uh, <laughs> no redemption <laughs> yeah. no forgiveness like right before reformation <laughs> like, right total before devastation comes on and Kendrick Lamar start bops Scorched Earth policy. <laughs> Six and Chill. Come on, smash your windows. Yes, yes. Tell me. it. Tell it. Um, but yeah, I just feel it feels like a cop out. It really does. But I think it just is a human experience. I mean, like you can say that maybe more in touch with your emotions, like from time to time. But like, I can't say it's like I know a lot of really amazing strong woman women. I know a lot of fairly weak women i know women who are go-getters and 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 high achievers i know women who are very satisfied with like the status quo i know women that like to be rule breakers and people who like like i know all kinds of women and i feel blessed to know so many different varieties of of women i think for me in my house (laughs) me myself and i i don't i don't know if i can define it but i just know that i love being it Mm. if that makes any sense like I know a lot of people who are like oh my god I wish I could be a guy I'd so prefer to be if I could have been reborn I'd be a man and I'm like pass like like I really absolutely not you're in trouble like I don't really just like extra equipment and like all those other things like they're too emotional honestly that's a whole separate podcast but like but like I, I really love being a woman I love being able to be really strong and 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 type a and authoritative and like a boss but i also really love to be kind of like a little more feminine and a little bit more like this at least static like typical feminine and 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 it's nice to play beta sometimes because you can get exhausted playing alpha and I think so many people push for like women to, to achieve and to be high achievers and to you know, empower them because they worry that they're not. But I think there's something to be said for being able to play the other side of the coin. Like the way I put it is, if you look at dancing, for instance, I am a fiend for dancing. I dance everywhere I go. And um, if you look at something like salsa dancing or partner dancing where you have... Uh, a lead and you have a follow and the lead is a person that's moving the other person and the follow follows i'm a very bad follow like i am like to the point where like at any time i dance like like in that kind of situation with a guy um or even just like any kind of lead i always want to take over like i always want to be like you're doing this wrong or you're slow like let me fix this and like that's all well and good but i feel like there's something to be said for knowing how to be a follow and knowing how to like be granted pick the right person to lead you in that instance but like I think it's good to be well-rounded well-rounded and to be many different things and I feel as a woman I get that opportunity to I think men 
should too. But I like the fact that I can be emotional and like, and it's, I'm not judged for it. I mean, in some senses, yes, but like not necessarily in the same way that men are, you know? And I like, I just, I just really like being a woman. I know it's so cheesy, but it's just like, I just, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm just happy with who I am and, and what that means for me. And that might not be like a very specific way to describe it, but I know I'm happy being it. But. So no, it's per- I mean it's your answer. It's perfectly yeah. it is. Um, so anything you'd like to plug really quick? Ooh, Lord. Um, well, we have our uh, hashtag Money Matters March, where we'll have all the financial articles and posts on Indico. So definitely uh, check in. We also have a Facebook group for Indico called Indico Creative Community. You can find it on our website or just type it into Facebook. And that's a community for artists to kind of just talk to each other and share information. We share tidbits and like information. We're gonna be starting an event series sometime this year, so if you're in the DC metro area, definitely check that out. We'll hopefully expand past that, but you know, we're focusing on on the DMV right now. And then I will be releasing my original song uh, later this year. I'm really excited. I'm high. It's really it's it's uh, it'll be fun. It's funny because like it actually like the song was inspired by Despicable Me. <laughs> Which a lot of people would not get. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I promise there's a fully like rational reason behind it, but it's called The Man Who Stole the Moon. Um, based off of one of the lines from the movie, it just inspired me to write this song. It's like, that sounds like an old torch song about some woman who's like bitter about this man that left her. Like, he stole the moon. Like, that's how pissed she is. <laughs> and so that's, that song is coming out hopefully later this year. And, uh, yeah, just stay tuned. I mean, I, I hope to work on new projects with a lot of different people, a lot of different artists and concerts, and of course, more Indico. And if you ever need an attorney, <laughs> on the low, she charges a lot. I do. Um, <laughs> for, afford my rate. <laughs> um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. I will put all Indico's stuff in the show notes. Um, and if you would like to follow the show, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pretty Face Lady. Three, go ahead and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. Um, and please, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to be on the show, know someone to be on the show, you want to sponsor the show because looking to sell out. <laughs> yes. Please, please, please email at prettyfacewomen at mtapfpodcast.com.